1: Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for the 90th episode of my podcast, Dan Hill's EQ Spotlight. The series appears here on the New Books Network, which has as its motto, sharing knowledge so people can thrive. Today's topic is building the innovation muscle of your company. I'm joined by Ben Bensow. He is the author of Built to Innovate Essential Practices to Wire Innovation into Your Company's DNA. The publisher is McGraw-Hill. Ben is a professor and former Dean of Executive Education at INSEAD. He's also been a visiting professor at the Harvard Business School, a research fellow at the Wharton School of Management, and a visiting scholar at the Haas School of Business at UC Berkeley. Welcome to the show, Ben.
0: Good morning, Dan. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely.
1: It's my pleasure. Let's uh, dive right in. Can you give a brief overview of your book, if you don't mind?
0: Well, okay so I would say that the book is is about uh, continuous uh, innovation and how to embed continuous innovation uh, within within your organization uh, it starts from the fact that uh, many many people think you need uh, a genius leader or to to be a startup to innovate and that's not true I found uh, established even century-old companies able to innovate. And the book is really about how these organizations were able to innovate using continuous and systematic innovation, innovation of all kinds and driven by everyone in the organization.
1: Okay, and I think that's great. The deeper I got into the book and the more you had examples, including, you're right, some, some older companies, I found that fascinating. I want to go to one of those models. Uh, I guess it's maybe, if I'm not in, mistaken, the Bayer model, but I think you kind of seem like you were applying it uh, potentially more generally, as a, as a good template, or at least one worth exploring, because you tend to be, you know, open to many possibilities, uh, which fits being a creative type and an innovator yourself. And I'm speaking specifically to the fact that it is kind of like a, a dual structure. There is the what you call the execution engine, and and then the innovation engine. And the first one, the execution engine, tends to have a hierarchical organizational structure very often the uh, innovation engine a freer and flatter uh, kind of model. And my question basically is, and and I'll probably have a follow-on question or two, but uh, surely there must be instances where there's some friction between those two models simultaneously existing within a company.
0: Yes. I think that the, the, um, as you say, the you know, the, uh, the execution engine uh, is 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 something that uh, uh, every organization needs. And and what I'm kind of uh, uh, suggesting is that innovation has always been thought to be relegated to either the leaders uh, or or like we were talking earlier about the R and D uh, department. But in fact, anybody can innovate, uh, and uh, so. Execution engine is very much about control, uh, and it's no surprise that when executing, organizations uh, have layers of hierarchy, and they have they have control system, very sophisticated systems. They have silos which are focused on the the problems that the organization is trying to solve. So you have a, a, a design department, you have a marketing department trying to sell, you have a, a, a production department, but the innovate. Engine is 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 less about control; is more about delegation, about uh, 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 collaboration, about cross-disciplinary uh, uh, teams. So, for instance, I can give you an example where, where um, there's a company that I talk about. Uh, it's called Kortsa. It's a, a, a Turkish supplier of a, quite of a commodity product. I mean, they make fabric. That is used to reinforce tires for the automobile industry, and what they do is that they uh, send cross-functional teams to their customers' plants. So, in the team, you might have people from design, production, uh, marketing, legal, and they go to the customers' plants uh, and they they stay there. For a few days, they literally camp at the uh, at the customers' uh, plants, and they just kind of uh, walk around, observe, talk to people. And so you see, instead of having a siloed, vertical siloed organization, this is a horizontal, cross-disciplinary team that is going focused on the customer, not on the problems, but on the customer. And they were telling me that at, at one plant one day, they uh, they observed that the customer team was having difficulties to uh, uh, safely manipulate uh, rolls of, uh, of fabric uh, that had been uh, uh, loaded on a truck. Uh, and again, the team had, I mean, the customer had never talked to them about that, and the team didn't even know about that. But then they had the impression they were peeking into a problem that nobody knew about. So when they came back, they, they they studied it and they developed a little methodology and they trained a the customer into offloading those roles and they changed it to ninety minutes with for three people to actually being able to do it in twelve minutes with wow. one more. <laughs> so this is this is again there's no friction there because you just have the. Execution engine and the innovation engine are working in parallel, but they have very different structures and processes and even cultures. Okay. And is there instances where someone is actually in both those engines, so to speak, simultaneously? Not simultaneously at any moment. The the whole point that I make in Build to Innovate is that instead of splitting the company in the innovators, the R&D people and the people who are professionals of innovation and the others are there just to execute what they're told. I'm just arguing that anybody has innovating capabilities to start with. Plus, if we give them permission, if we give them training, they can develop innovating capabilities. And uh, So the, the argument is to have any, any, anybody in the company be able to operate in both engines, not necessarily at the same moment at a precise time, but anybody, even at the front line, even a receptionist can find uh, uh, times uh, uh, to, to, to participate in some innovating activity. Okay. Well, speaking I mean, just just of, yeah. to give you an example, Dan, just uh, I mean, sure. a simple thing. For instance, a, a, a salesperson typically spends a lot of time, um, uh, you know, trying to, to sell the project, the product to the to the customer. So the, the the good salespeople they do this very intuitively and very naturally. At some point, they switch their mind from sell mode to listen mode. And they try to hear what the uh, what the customer is not tr- is not saying, or they try to understand what the problem that the that is that is the customer is struggling with. So that's what I'm talking about. It's a it's a mindset. It's about switching your mindset from a supply side view to a customer side view. And anybody can do that. Even a receptionist can do that.
1: Oh no! I, I don't get me wrong. I, I love the the concepts, and I'm fully on board with the notion that it should be much broader um just having been in corporate life myself i'm trying to yes. understand some of the uh you know difficulties uh, that can arise at times so let's let's move to i'm still kind of staying on this topic but let me shift a little bit so for instance you mentioned al- people might have time allocated or allowed or enabled to quote unquote dabble to be creative I- i'm quite familiar with this my father uh was in charge of 3m printed post-it notes production All sales right. and marketing yes. Uh And 3M, of course, has its famous 15 percent rule, which mandates you have plenty of time to be creative. So I understand that, certainly, both from my father's own experiences and so forth. But I can imagine or have to imagine, uh, based on my experience in corporate life, there are not always managers who are as open to this notion of the dual engines and of the importance of creativity. And they're looking for accountability from someone. So. I'll start with one really just tactical question, which is, in given that time to, quote-unquote, dabble or be creative, um, are there controls in effect? Are there ways in which accountability is asked for, or is it just quite – free-form and what, what do you see works best and where, where are the potential pitfalls to overcome?
0: Well, I mean, your question is, is very good. It, it actually uh, uh, points to uh, something that really surprised me uh, doing the research for, for, for the book uh, for Build to Innovate. I did not expect uh, how, uh, that, that middle managers would be so important to innovation. Yeah, that, that goes, that's to, the core. That's that goes to the core out. of your yeah. question because they are the ones. I mean, of course, the CEO puts innovation at the core of strategy and gives the, 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 the permission to people to innovate. But the ones who who effectively create the, the double time, the people who coordinate it, create the space and the time for it are the middle managers. So the middle managers are actually pivotal to innovation. And what I found is that... You talk to senior people and they're facing, you know, a tough environment, high in uncertainty, fast pace. So for them, innovation is a no brainer. They understand it. Similarly, then frontline people, they're with the customers and the non-customers on a daily basis. So they understand the problems. they understand (laughs) the dissatisfaction, they understand people kind of screaming for, 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 for something new the ones who don't get this direct immediate pressure uh, of of innovation are the middle managers, because in the end they are the ones who are responsible for the execution engine. So uh, uh, what I found is that uh, I I have like a few examples in the book, but let me take for instance Bayer. You were talking about Bayer, the pharmacology and life sciences global corporation based in Germany. So with a, a rich history of scientific achievements, they were able to create an innovating engine and they were able to leverage the innovating capabilities of the hundred thousand people working in the company. So how did they do this? First, they made the whole board responsible for innovation, which the I whole love. Board. Yes. yeah. Then they selected eighty senior managers covering all country groups and global functions to support the board as innovation ambassadors. You see? And these ambassadors, they spent much of their time with middle managers, explaining, advocating, and sponsoring innovation. So I've seen, for instance, uh, So and then and then, and this is very important, and I'll explain why it is important. They created a formidable support structure for these middle managers. Uh, if I remember correctly, between 2016 and 2020, they trained and certified 1,000 innovation coaches locally activated around the world. So you see, middle managers, they don't, have, they don't know about innovation. They're not, they're not the one who can help their people. So they need to be explained. They need to be trained first. Then they don't have the time. They have to care about the execution engine. So you need to create this uh, support structure like a central unit that is going to train and certify people who can coach their teams in innovating. And then you put these people at their disposal so that when their team come up with an idea, an individual innovator or a project team wants to work on something – the, the the middle manager can call upon this central resource to come and help his team or her team sure. and isn't there also uh, what you're called the innovation connectors exactly <clears throat> exactly and then and then what they had is that these middle managers they had this uh, uh, innovation coaches who were uh, uh, spread around the company so they came to a point where every kind of uh, unit would have a uh, uh, an innovation coach on call, and then when somebody would have an idea, they would have a local uh, in- innovation coordinator. So, because they figured that uh, uh, when you create, you might, you might have heard of these experiments where people create a, an information system where you can send you ideas. The problem with these systems, this uh, information systems, is that very often people send ideas and never get an answer.
1: Yeah, they're, they're very passive in terms of.
0: They're very passive, and yeah. people get discouraged after they send three or four ideas and they get no responses. So yep. some of these companies, they like Bayer, they put they create a local innovator, so that when you have an idea, you send it to this uh, uh, to the platform, and a local innovator is going to respond to your idea or request or question within fifteen days. And, and 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 that that gets the engine humming that i mean that gets the engine job started because otherwise what i see is that people want to innovate i mean the frontline people are full of ideas yes. but the problem is that they, they well first we can talk about that maybe later they they're sometimes afraid but 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 what do they do with the ideas where do they send them so the, you need to have a mechanism that windows and channels and selects these ideas all the way up to implementation yeah. and then they move to the execution engine with supply chains becoming more complex you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments so
1: if you work with logistics you need the beyond the box podcast from maersk it's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on Logistics Insights at maersk.com slash insights. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices Yeah. And instead of being stymied, they'd need some support and the chance to pull in in resources. So staying with Bayer and and staying with this, um, uh, the role of the middle managers, because I, I, you know, I'm totally in support of where you're coming from with the book. I'm just kind of probing on what I see as the given human nature and given how things get structured, sometimes how people respond and therefore how to push through those difficulties to make this you know, realize its full potential. So, sticking with the the middle managers, <clears throat> there was a comment from, I believe it's a Dr. Till at Bayer who said uh, they didn't incentivize individual results, and I guess I took that to mean they didn't do that for managers, but I may be wrong in how I read it. So part of it, I'm seeking clarification, but then I'm wondering, okay, some middle managers are going to be on board with innovation. They will actually get it uh, for whatever the reasons. Some will be, as you said, undecided. And some, frankly, as you mentioned, will be resistant. So especially if they're resistant, is educating them on the importance of innovation going to be enough? Is it Doesn't it need incentives potentially? I'm wondering how Dr. Hill at Bayer got to this point of deciding that incentives, at least for managers, didn't make sense or didn't work.
0: Well. The, the, I think the the, the, the the point he was trying to make is that the incentives you don't want to put incentives on the, the innovators, the people who okay. have to come up with the idea, because and of course as soon as you do that, you you you, you freeze. I mean, people get uh, you know stressed and all that. So the, the, okay, the incentives so it, is for,
1: it is for the innovators in general not to do that. Okay.
0: So, but the, but, but still, the incentives are good for the middle managers. Ah, and okay. I'll give you another example, which is not bare, but it's uh, it's Allianz, the um, the financial giant, the insurance sure. uh, giant. Uh, uh, for instance, as uh, uh, Allianz UK, they created an incentive system where they would, you know, simply uh, um, uh, publish publish uh, uh, the innovation league of the business units in in the UK so every every once in a while they would they would publish the the top league of of of, of business units in terms of the, their contribution to innovation so here the the incentive is put on the middle manager in terms of the contribution of his or her uh, uh, team to innovation and and of course you can imagine that no no nobody wants to be on the on the bottom of that uh, league table um, so, so here the idea is is always to try to encourage uh, everyone uh, at the front line to to innovate, and 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 one of in the incentives for the for the uh, for the front line, of course, is uh, once you give them. Uh, uh, well, you, you may remember there's another quote in the book of, of, of that left a. a Mark on me is a former board member of alliance who said for people to innovate, they need to feel that they are able, capable, and motivated so able means that they have the permission to innovate that they are allowed to innovate yep. capable is that means that they 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 are given the training they are given the support they're given the the resources to do it and motivated it means that they they, you stimulate the desire in them to innovate, and for this, it's really a, a, a question of of, of creating, um, you know, challenge and 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 uh, like you know, people create uh, hackathons and uh, uh, all sorts of challenges where people can come and 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 innovate together. Uh, you, you want to recognize and and celebrate uh, their contribution to innovation. So. Uh, like dr trill says you know maybe having a presentation in front of the board uh, is much more motivating for frontline people than than you know uh, as a small reward financial reward even if they do get uh, maybe a small reward but but it's more of a, an emotional reward that people uh, that gets people moving into into innovation because the bottom line is that you know people they do execution, you know, what, 90, 95% of their time. So if you give them space where they, they are given permission, uh, it's protected. It's a safe space where it's politically protected, where they can innovate. It's, it's, it's fun for them. People enjoy that. And and you may notice also in built to Innovate, there are a few examples where people lost top talent because they were stopping innovation from frontline people.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I think everyone wants to chance for some variety for one thing and the creative fulfillment. Uh, I could see that, you know, if the managers are getting nice financial bonuses and the uh, people coming up with the actual ideas, on the other hand, do get the recognition. I love the idea of presenting to the board, for instance, but I, I could imagine that just potentially that's going to rub some people wrong if they think they're coming up with the new revenue streams and the managers are the ones seeing the money. Uh, from having allowed it to happen. Is that uh, at all a fair critique, or or how do you see that situation?
0: Oh, I think that the, the incentives are usually uh, team-based, of course. Everybody uh, gets okay. – uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But just e- – Even
1: for the manager, so if they, if they get incentivized financially, it's – to the people that were on the teams and that money spread not just to the manager, but to the teams. I just want to make most, sure most I understand of, yes, how this, yes. how, this, this flows.
0: how to understand the logic of it. Yes. Yes. Okay.
1: Yes, Cause yes. you know, we, we both know that a lot of people use money as a yardstick yes. to uh, keep track of things but, and but, but, but for, for again, better or for
0: worse. Yes. Again, we were talking about Bayer. I, I, I can, I can, I can give you another, an, another example of, uh, of, of how sure. they got sure. everybody uh, uh on board if you will they created so now i talked to you about the the role of the senior leaders you know and then the, and the middle managers and then to really motivate the front line they created uh, a digital platform they called it we solve yep. so we solve is a digital platform where any employee can post a problem they're struggling with and and invite input and ideas from anyone else across the organization so i actually i i visited once the 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 the, the website and at, they say that at any given time you have about two hundred challenges uh that you can find them on the on the platform and they have forty thousand bayer employees from around the world who have participated in in this WeSolve platform mind you yeah, this no, is,
1: i i i think that's great my my favorite comment from the book comes from uh uh, the person at Kortza, the Turkish company you mentioned yes. earlier, who made a reference to the democratization of innovation, yes, which absolutely. I absolutely categorically love. That's my favorite comment, probably from the book.
0: That, that's, I want to go to well, how we should have called the uh, <laughs> the podcast <laughs> democratize innovation. <laughs> you see, you I, I knew I knew it was somewhere. Yeah. Well, th- there I'll be, remember um, it for next time. <laughs> okay,
1: fair enough. Um, I want to go to another place. And I'm, again, Please. I'm not picking on the book at all because I, no, no, I no, love no, where I it's understand. coming from. But yeah? I am trying to press a bit on, again, what I see as the practical issues at times. So here's one I can speak to from personal experience. Having uh, I've been uh, traditionally a, a market researcher working with uh, actually more than half the world's top 100 companies, uh, B2C companies. So I, I've encountered not more than a, not, less than a, quite a few uh, creatives, as we'll call them, and I actually have a master's in creative writing and poetry back in the day, so I'm very open to the creative process. What I've sometimes seen as the issue for some of them, not all of them by any stretch of the imagination, is I guess I'm not sure what label to put on it. Uh, one I might say is a bit solipsistic. I wanted, another one might be a bit elitist, and I and I'm saying that because I, I see instances where some designers, including offer or product designers, some uh, ad agency people, they can be uh, kind of in the, in the stage of creating love ch- children, <laughs> mm-hmm, love child. Mm-hmm. Yes, And yes. I'm trying to imagine some of the people, given their egos at times, actually learning from and, and valuing the input of someone who's maybe in a call center, in the customer service department, uh, works in a store that the company has as an ally. I'm trying to see how you get those people to really respect and make good use of the, I think, tremendously valuable insights that frontline people can offer.
0: Uh, This is, this is very important, very important question. Um, Actually, when, when you were describing the problem, I, I I could not help remember the example. I think it's, it's uh, mentioned in a book, but um, it's not, Described as brutally as, as as you you may think it it is, but uh, this this is at times. E- ex- yes. Ecosem, <laughs> Ecosem, you remember the, the the French cement company? Yes, I do. Well, I mean, a great, great, great story of. Uh, uh, I mean, this is actually a startup, but uh, great, great, great story, and 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 and, and uh, this is within the French environment, and there's this. Um, CEO who is trying to create this space, I think one, one, one important thing for the innovation engine and that the middle manager needs to create is to create a space where they can reduce the distance, the gap between the innovators, the people who are going to have the ideas and the customers, So and and also reduce the distance between the people who are generating the ideas within the company and the people who are going to sell the ideas. So what what, uh, this uh, gentleman, the CEO, uh, Donald Ryan, had done, he had created these teams where he would bring cross-discipline teams together to work. And, I mean, you add add a little bit of the the French educational system uh, uh, structure here, and you had this very arrogant... Uh, uh, engineers from the top universities in France who were working with, with lab technicians, and um, they were working on innovation, and they were basically dominating the conversation. They wouldn't even let people speak up. Uh, uh, so, 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 so the CEO decided to actually uh, deal with this as 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 a leadership, as a management problem, not an innovation problem. So he brought in um a, um a coach, a leadership coach who who took the team together and and worked with them, and they kind of all understood that there's no way there's no way you know you can know ex ante where is the good comment going to come from, where is the good idea gonna come from and it it it, it had to to go through a process where uh, in particular, these this, uh, this uh, top you know top engineers uh, and researchers would realize that uh, they were missing some of the comments from the from the, from the customers, uh, and and it was uh, very humbling for them. So at some point, I would say uh, you you may need to bring in maybe this is this is something that the HR people can help. With, but uh, 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 in chapter 10, I explain uh, 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 the methodology that uh, I've I've been testing over the last 15 years. And there's a moment, uh, I think it's in step uh, three, where uh, step two, where you have to bring the team together and create a culture for the team. Right? So, and, and this is where you have to discuss what are the goals. So people have to come together understand the shared goals. What are the shared values? How are we going to... What are the key processes? How are we going to make decisions? How are we going to resolve conflict? What are the different roles? And make sure that people rotate roles. This is an important thing. It's not always the same people who have the same role. I mean, because now, you see, innovating teams... They're not execution teams where you have specialists and people who know more than others. Here, these are cross-functional teams. These are teams that they, they, they don't work together and there's no boss there, right? There's no boss. This is a team and the only boss actually is a customer, right? So <laughs> yes. so, so, people have to to, to, to realize that they, they have to, uh, and, and they have to, I mean, there's like these five steps they have to go through even before they start the project once they have agreed on you know the goals the values the processes the the roles and the individual commitment then they can start to work but they and actually i get people to, to write this on a, on a on a template and read it systematically before every meeting
1: yeah, no, well, I, I like that a lot, not only from my corporate experiences, but having played a lot of <clears throat> what you would call football and us in the States, soccer as well as basketball, uh, rotating roles would be nice to create greater empathy because uh, I, I play with some uh, forwards or wingers or strikers who didn't want to play any defense on behalf of the team. Uh, they just saw themselves in a very specialized role and there was a certain... Uh, I guess I'd have to call it being a midfielder, a certain arrogance built in at times.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I that mean, it, uh, was,
1: yeah, could be frustrating and, and detrimental, more importantly, to the cohesion of the team and its effectiveness.
0: But it doesn't take much. It takes only a, a few visits. I mean, you, you talked about a key word here uh, for me in, in innovating is the word empathy. When these teams, and 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 and, and for instance, in in some cases, I, I send people by pairs to visit you know, a branch uh, of a, of a, of a bank or a department store. I send people in teams of two to, and and then and then when they they start to observe the customer. I mean, this is where you you realize that it's not always those who you think are the the smartest who who notice the most important thing. And I think this is this is something that people learn by 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 being faced with the situation and when they. When they're confronted with it, I mean, this, this is where the, it brings humility and, they, and respect for the other members of the team. Uh, yeah, no, I, I couldn't uh,
1: agree more. We're kind of have to wrap up here in a moment. But, I, I, yeah, to that point, uh, there's a wonderful statement from Charles Darwin about survival of the, quote-unquote, fittest, although he never exactly said that. But his point was it wasn't necessarily the strongest, the smartest, the fastest. It was the most adaptive who actually did the best? So I want to thank you, Ben, so much. This has been episode number 90. Uh, it's called Building the Innovation Muscle of Your Company. My guest, Ben Bissau, he is the author of Built to Innovate Essential Practices to Wire Innovation into Your Company's DNA. If you've enjoyed today's show, please give it a rating or review on iTunes. You can find other episodes by going to my company's website at the obligatory three W's and sensorylogic.com. Or on the New Books Network, type in Dan Hill's EQ Spotlight and you'll see the previous 89 guests. Finally, I like to conclude every episode with an appropriate epigram. In this case, I took one from a gentleman named Alan Kay, who said, The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Until next time, be kind and stay safe.